should know Doyle Foltz. One of the things that he, a legacy, I, I would think I could call it a legacy that he's left for uh, some of us who took up the challenge, he would ask us each year to, as we reread the story, reread the Christmas story out of the Gospel of Matthew, out of the Gospel of Luke, asked us to embrace afresh and anew, to, to, you're not making something up because it's in there. You just haven't seen it before and you haven't discovered it and you haven't studied it. And so he would invite us to do that. And as we take up that challenge, that's where my message has come from this morning. Part of it was in the story of reading about uh, Mary and Zachariah. And I'm going to read part of that just so you have some more background for some of you that it might be rather new to, written out of the scriptures. It says this in Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning incense came, all the worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe the words which will come true at their proper time. And then going along a little further to Mary's story in chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found to be you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And as I looked over the Zachariah story and Mary's story, I noticed a couple of things that I hadn't necessarily noticed before. And it just reminded me about the expanse of God's grace and God's wisdom and God's kindness to people. And here's just a couple of the differences that I noticed, and you noticed too. One was a man, one was a woman. One was old, one was young. One was married, one wasn't married. One was praying for a child, and one wasn't married yet, probably not even thinking about a child. One was famous, a priest working in the temple. The other was obscure, a maiden living in the country. One, They both asked questions. One asked a question with faith, and one asked a question without faith. One was believing, one was not believing. One was silent, and one sang a song. And so as I was reminded by Doyle, challenged by Doyle, encouraged by Doyle, thinking about uh, Doyle's challenge, I thought, well, I need to read the story. So one of the things I have the privilege to do in the morning is I just try to read the story. During the weeks, five, ten days before Christmas and around Christmas, I read the story. And I listen to the story, and I hear the story in the songs, just as you do. And there were a couple verses that popped out to me, and I want to start with that. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Simeon, waiting in the temple as an old man, waiting for God to reveal to him his promise that he wouldn't die until he saw the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah. Simeon, seeing Jesus, he said this, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And then there's a little note from the narrator. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Anna, she was a prophetess waiting in the, in the temple day and night before the Lord. Said so She never left the temple. She said this, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And the angel said to Joseph, about Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so I want to go back, and I want to look at, after Zechariah spent nine months in silence, because he asked the angel the question in doubt. He should have known, because number one, the angel said, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. He should have known because the angel, because he's in the temple, in the inner courts, in the Holy of Holies, and all of a sudden there's another person in the room. And that was the angel. He should have known when the angel said, Zachariah. 
He should have known that there's a person in the room and he's the only one in the room. Now there's another person in the room and the person knows his name and the person knows the name of his wife. And the person also says, the angel Gabriel also says, I've come and your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. And so when Zechariah asked in unbelief, how is this going to happen? The angel told him, but the angel said, now you're going to not speak until John, your son, is born. So here's what happened. Here's what I surmise happened. He can't talk, right? He's seen this angel. He is promised, given a promise that Elizabeth will have a baby. They're way past childbearing years. And see, he has time to think about this. He has nine months until he's able to speak. And so I thought, well, what did he say? What, what were the first words out of his mouth? Were they, finally, I can talk again? Did he shake his fist at God and say, I can't believe um, you made me wait nine months to talk. And so I want to read what he said, and I want to unpack a little bit about as a, something maybe we haven't thought about before. So I'm reading from chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel, verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So this is after he recognizes when they said, what should his name be? And he said, his name is John, right? So Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. So after being struck dumb for nine months, the first thing out of his mouth is praise be to God. And I hope that whenever I go through a crisis or you go through a crisis, in the middle of the crisis, in the beginning of the crisis, in the middle of the crisis, at the end of the crisis, we would say, praise be to God. We would be thankful. We would be grateful. Praise be to God because He has come and has redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. And he has said through his holy prophets, as he has said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in the holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now he's speaking specifically about John the Baptist, his child. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And so this is what Zechariah said after being struck down for nine months. And I didn't know this until I started looking at it closer. It's filled with references of the Old Testament. It's a prophecy and it's a prayer, but it's filled with references to the Old Testament of the God of the Old Testament and what the God of the Old Testament would do. And I, I would say right now, I hardly know the Old Testament after studying it for years of all the implications of what he's saying. There's hundreds of references 
to the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. And if you had the time and the wisdom to study them all, you would see just a stream pouring out, pointing to the coming of Jesus, to God's work in bringing Jesus. And so I'm going to take a little bit of time here and just point out some of the references in the Old Testament, some of the threads that he's referring to that we wouldn't really catch. Unless you did some research, and I've only done a small amount, but there's uh, loads to do. So, in his response of verse 68, and I'll try to go verse by verse, in verse 68, there's references over and over in the Old Testament that have this phrase, praise be to the God of Israel. And so, as a Jew who would have known the law, who would have been practiced the law, it said earlier about him that he and Elizabeth were God-fearing, upright, blameless people. He's a priest in the temple. He would have known the Old Testament. But now he knows it (laughs) in a whole new way. A whole new way. So when he's saying, praise be to the God of Israel, he's saying, praise be to the God of Israel. He's saying like, you did it! You did it! You did it! Praise be to the God of Israel. That's back in Genesis 24. It's in 1 Kings 18. It's in the Psalms. It's all the way through. Praise be to the God of Israel. Praise be to the God of Israel. And you know what? That connects you If you were to say that phrase, praise be to the God of Israel, it connects you to the heritage and the history of the Jewish nation from which came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God of Israel because He has come and has redeemed His people. I think that phrase was just in that song, was it not? He has come. He has come, O come, O come, Emmanuel. He has come, and He has redeemed His people. (coughs) It says in Psalm 119, He provided redemption for His people. And so Zechariah would have known this, and maybe he was just, this prophecy, obviously it says He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but what, what, what is in him comes out of him. And he was a man of the word. It says he walked before God blamelessly in this prophecy. And he prophesied that God provided redemption for his people Israel. Verse 69, it says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets long ago. There's a lot packed in there. The idea, the word horn means strength. That God has raised up His strength. And I want to follow some of those verses now. You can write down the reference. Because, I'm a, because I have enough verses here. You're not supposed to do this, but I'm doing it. I have enough verses here that we wouldn't be able to keep track of them. So I just want to give you the references and kind of paint a picture of some of the background. In, in the book First Samuel... It starts out with a woman named Hannah who can't have a child. And so, hidden in this prayer, 
is this verse, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted up. And that word horn, again, is the word strength. And it's the same word that Zechariah used. He has raised up a horn. A horn of salvation for us. In second, or first Samuel chapter 2, verse 10, Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His people and exalt the horn of His anointed. Referring back to the strength, referring to this promise in Scripture that God would raise up a horn through the house of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, it says this about this horn. 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel 22. Got the wrong reference again, sorry. Just give me a second here. Second Samuel 22. This is what David said. This is a song. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. And so as Zechariah has nine months to wait, he would be studying Scripture and all these things he would be pointing out, and this prayer just shows that in the house of David. So David, he is my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior from violent men, you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 2, it says this. Psalm 18, verse 2. Psalm 18, verse 2. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My She is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my tower. So when Zacharias says in it's recorded in Luke 1, 69. He has raised up a horn of salvation. He's referring back to over and over in Scripture. Psalm 89. Listen to this verse in Psalm 89. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord, they rejoice in your name all day long. They exult in you, for you are their strength and glory. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, the Holy One of Israel. We wouldn't necessarily make the connections unless they're pointed out in the New Testament how the Old Testament is unfolded in the New 
in these prophecies about Jesus. Psalm 98, verse 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. Psalm 132. Psalm 132, verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion... He has desired it for His dwelling. This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. Then again, Final verse for this reference, and there's many more that we could look up that refer to God delivering His people and being the deliverance for His people. This is Ezekiel chapter 29. Ezekiel 29, 21. It says this, On that day I will make a horn grow for the house of Israel, and I will open your mouth among them, then they will know that I am the Lord. So when Zechariah has this phrase where he says, he raised up a horn of salvation to us, he's not thinking about John, his son. He's thinking about the one whom John is preceding. He's thinking about the coming one, the promised one. He's thinking about the Messiah. He's thinking and speaking about Jesus. It says... That next phrase says in verse 70, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Now we don't have the time or the space even to go back over the hundreds of verses in the Old Testament where it says the prophets say long ago that God is sending the Holy One. Let me just give you a few references. Number one is in Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6 says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the Lord. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So when Zechariah says that he said through his holy prophets long ago, Jeremiah is one of his holy prophets who declared that. In Jeremiah 33, echoing and adding to that prophecy, it says this in Jeremiah 33, verse 15, 14. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says this. 
Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there's, we could go on and on and talk about the prophets that spoke long ago that Zechariah is probably referring to, but we don't have time. Just mention again, in Deuteronomy 18, it says this, The Lord, Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. That's confirmed in Acts chapter 3 when Peter is preaching. He confirms that this Jesus was this prophet. In Acts chapter 3 it says this, Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, and as many have spoken, have foretold these days. So the Old Testament is thick. Lots of prophets. We don't understand all the pictures. We don't know them all. But if we did... Our minds would be flooded, flooded, and amazed at this God of ours. Just like Zechariah cried out, not a word of complaint of not being able to speak, just pointing to the greatness of his God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people, has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. In Romans chapter 1, it says this, The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his Son. So if you spend time and I spend time in the Old Testament prophets, we will see blazes of light pointing to Jesus, pointing to the coming of the Son. And so we could say and rejoice with these shepherds, Imagine what they were saying when they said, Do not be afraid to bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. We go on from verse 70. Verse 71, it says, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. So now this is sweeping to remember his holy covenant. If you go back to Micah, you will see that um, it says in Micah 7.20, You will be true to Jacob and show mercy to Abraham as you pledged an oath to our fathers as in the days long ago. In Psalm 105, it says, He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded. For a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. And in Psalm 106, it says this. 
about this covenant that he remembered that Zechariah is referring to. Psalm 106. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. But he took note of their distress. And when he heard their cry, for the sake, for their sake, he remembered his covenant. And out of his great love, he relented. So God sending his son is fulfillment of his covenant. It's remembering his covenant. It's remembering the mess that we're in and that we need the light of the world. We need salvation. We need hope. We need peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the way, the truth, the life. And so all this picture from Zechariah's prophecy coming back and showing us in the Old Testament how this was fulfilled in Jesus. And so, again, he swore an oath to our father Abraham. And you go back to the book of Genesis, and I'll read just one little part of this covenant. In Genesis chapter 22, right after Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son, in following God in obedience, after he was willing to do that, and God said, no, stop. This is what it said. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And that's the covenant that also also started in Genesis 12, that God said through Abraham, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. So that's part of Zechariah's prophecy, his prayer, he's remembering. 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then referring to John the Baptist, as I've said here, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And this is the gospel. As we look again in, in Matthew chapter 11, I'll just show you that the, the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament, where these verses are fulfilled, where these promises and prophecies are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and in John the Baptist. So when Zechariah says, you will be a prophet and you will go before the Lord, in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus was talking with his disciples, they were asking about John the Baptist. And Jesus said, um, he's a prophet. And yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. I will send my messenger ahead of you. and You will prepare the way before you. That's taken out of the Old Testament prophet Malachi. Foreshadowing that John the Baptist would come before Jesus. And also in chapter 4 of Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament before there was 400 silent years before Jesus came. It says this in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. 
He will turn the hearts of their children, and hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And so we're to, we're to listen and receive what God is doing through his son Jesus. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Now, I only have a couple left that I, out of all that I could read. We could be here all day, but I just wanted to point out that this simple song, this simple um, prophecy of Zechariah after not being able to speak for nine months is filled with the promises of God. It's filled with the faithfulness of God. It's filled with the covenant that God gave over and over to his people for hundreds of years through all kinds of toil and trouble, through all kinds of captivity and harm and abuse and their own ignorance and stupidity. And he's get, helping us to see, look at what God has done. This is no small thing that God did in bringing his son Jesus. It's no small thing. And it should rock our world. I was listening recently to um, a statement by this uh, historian named Tom Holland. And he's, he's not even a Christian. But he started doing the study and the research because he's a historian on the impact of Jesus Christ on history. And he was blown away, blown away at the picture of the impact of Jesus Christ on history. So let me read this last reference in Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Part of the new covenant that God said that he would do. That Zechariah was referring to in his prophecy. Jeremiah 31, 31, it says this, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You know, to those of you who maybe you're recognizing in a new way this Christmas, the coming of Jesus, there's nowhere else that you will find forgiveness. It's in God's Son, through God's covenant of grace, as He sends His Son Jesus, that's where forgiveness is found. That's where you need to find light. That's where I need to find light. That's where we find hope. It's in Jesus, the coming of God's Son. Verse 77 of the Gospel of Luke, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of His sins. There's not a one of us here that can forgive our own sin. Our sin is forgiven as we give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. As He came, just like the angel said, He came to be the Messiah, to be forgiveness for the people. 
because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 79, the last verse, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. I don't know if you're experiencing darkness this Christmas. You know what it said? You know where that reference is? That's out of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came. Zechariah points us back to what Isaiah said. And let me read it. You get alone by yourself. You open up the Word. You spend some time looking at some of the verses that Zechariah is referring to. It will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up because of the greatness and the goodness and the graciousness of your God and the salvation He wants you to have and understand. It says this. I'm going to read the verse out of Luke first. As Zechariah said in verse 79, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet to the path of peace. And in Isaiah chapter 9, 2, it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoices at harvest when dividing the plunder. And he's referring to, that's quoted in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, about Jesus. About Jesus himself. So, as I look through and I see, here's a, the, the two people, Mary and, and Zachariah. One being an old man, one being a young woman. One being married, one being unmarried. One being famous, one being obscure. One praying for a child. And one not thinking of a child at all. One worshiping in a temple, one not even allowed in the temple. And it just makes me think about the breadth and the width of the arms of God reaching out in salvation. Several times there, it referred to the fact that he will make it known to all people. You would have to exercise a great deal of blindness to not recognize that God sent his son Jesus. For sure, if you live in this United States, but in other parts of the country, when it says those who walk in darkness have seen a great light, God is there today opening people's hearts through missionaries, through visions, through dreams, helping them understand that God has done something about the darkness. And if we remain walking in darkness, God is not the one to blame. So, I would say, look again at the gospel story. Look again at God's redemption through Jesus. Look again at the Christmas message this season. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that we would all look with fresh reverence at the promises and 
really, Lord, how negligent in some ways we are of not looking in to all that you have for us, all that we could know and understand, especially when we need such hope in our time, especially when we're struggling, God. Help us to see and understand what you have done through your son Jesus, through your prophets, through the power and authority of your word. Open our dark eyes and our dark hearts and dark minds to the light of the world, Jesus, in a fresh new way this Christmas. We're thankful. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.